my name is Isabella and today's Intern Whisperer Tip of the Week is Inclusion means that a person will feel respected, accepted, seen, heard, and valued in their workplace. So I want to welcome Seth Silvers to the Intern Whispers. Seth, so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited about this conversation and thank you so much for having me. Oh man, this is going to be super good because you and I are both going to PodFest. This show is actually going to air after PodFest, but that's okay. We'll still get a lot of mileage out of it for sure. I'm, I'm confident in that for both yep. of us. Absolutely. Um, so once people listen to this show, we will have actually met in person. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> this comes in, go. this show will come out end of June. So what I'd like to know, I always kick off my show and thank you for listening to one of our episodes. That's always helpful because then people know what to expect, just like what you said. Um, what are the five words you would use to describe who you are just as a human? Yeah, that is a fun question. Um, I would say my five words are going to be storytelling, community, family, impact, and fun. Mm -hmm. um, do you want me so to give like a quick descriptor? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. why? Tell us why those words. Yeah. So storytelling has always been really important to me. Um, I feel like when I was a teenager, I started to realize how much stories were what brought people together. Mm -hmm. um, I've always loved hearing really great stories and just stories that need to be told that are well told. And I also think that it's just, it's one of the ways uh, that advances culture. Like storytelling is an older medium of communication than writing. Um, in the modern way and all, all of these things. Like there's a reason that for, you know, pretty much all of human history, culture has been passed down through the stories we tell. And in the same way, right. yeah, I think that we could, I think we can make a lot of changes through the stories we tell. So mm -hmm. I've always loved stories. Obviously, as you know, people will learn it's deeply connected to the work that I do. Um, I would say the next is community. I, the people around me are really important to me, uh, whether that's friends, or the people I work with or family um, and community and family is kind of one in the same, but I think being really connected with where I am, uh, where I live in Colorado and uh, with the people around me, like I think in my spare time, I honestly just love spending time with, with people that are, are in my life. And I think that's really important to me. Oh my gosh. Uh, you live in the most beautiful place of the world. I do. Yeah. Colorado is great. I love traveling and I love going to other places, but coming home to Colorado is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have all four seasons, you know, yeah. snow and real fall and all of that. I will tell you, I have lived where snow is and I'm not a fan, but I do think Colorado is the place to be. It's wonderful. And the area I'm in, in Colorado and Fort Collins, we're on the front range, which is kind of before you get into the mountains. So it's great because we don't get as much snow, um, but we still get snow um, and we can go into the mountains whenever we want. We want more snow in the winter. So it, it really is a great place to live. I've lived here almost all my life, which is rare. Most people who live here now are transplants because everybody knows it's great. Yeah. Um, so if you're wondering, it's full. There's no more room here. Yeah, that is true. And I know that a lot of people like to come to Florida and I go, you know what, we'll sink into the ocean. That might be why we're sinking in Miami. So anyway, yeah. all right, let's go to your next word. You said community. So that was the community was the one that I kind of mentioned along with storytelling, um, just being the people around me. So the next one for me would really be family. And um, 
in, in my life and my spouse with her, you know, with my in-laws, family is just a really high priority. So we always really love getting to spend time. Some of our family's close, some of it's far away. Um, but keeping those relationships close to us um, the best we can is, is something that's really important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, what does your wife do? Just curious. That was a random question, but. A variety of things. She is a paraprofessional for uh, middle schoolers with special needs. And then, um, she also coaches volleyball for middle schoolers and, uh, she works sometimes at home Depot. So she's, she's doing a variety of things right now in her life. Yeah. That's because teachers don't make much money, but man, home Depot, that is the geeky place to be. That is super cool too. Yeah. We started, we just bought a house this year. And so we, in her, that was going to be the summer job because we thought we'd get an employee discount. Then we realized after she got the job that they don't do employee discounts, but yeah. It's still been a good place. It's a good summer job um, since she's not working at school in the summer. Oh, that's super good. Yeah. I, yeah. I love the fact that she also does uh, volleyball. Um, that's significant because, you know, when you're working with special needs, I used to be a public classroom teacher also, and it is really, really hard, not special needs, but I taught at risk um, standard and then honors level, but it doesn't matter. Each ability group has their own set of challenges. So mm-hmm. God bless her. That's a really, that's a challenging role for sure. Yeah. She stays busy doing hard things. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of describing her too. Um, impact. I love this word. I love that you even picked this word because I've had a couple of people pick it. And I think it's really significant because everything that we do in life should have impact, right? I agree. And I thought about putting business here because business is really important, but the, the more accurate descriptor is impact. I feel like mm-hmm. the reason we should be doing business is to make an impact. And um, so I, I care a lot about the work that I do. I um, really love it. I, I have work-life balance, but I don't really believe that like our work and our life should be two totally separate things because I think that our work should be connected to the impact that we want to make. So yeah, impact whether it's through business or through nonprofits or different things, that's something that's, that is really important to me. Mm. That is good stuff. And then fun. Why fun? Because I, I can tell why you show, uh, chose that word and it's at the end, but you live in Colorado. So yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think, I was like, okay, nature, mountains, breweries. I don't really know all this stuff. I just love hiking, snowing. Yeah, I love having fun. Um, in my spare time, you know, we love going into the mountains and hiking or, you know, in the winter, maybe it's snowshoeing or skiing or, um, you know, right now we, we tag this season as some people call it spring. We call it brewery season. Um, cause there's good breweries and that all, all around. So just going with people that we enjoy being around and going and doing fun things is, is really important or playing board games, whatever it is. I think it's just important to have times in our week where we're having fun. Yeah. I picture you guys as a dog family. Do you have a dog? I'm, uh, we do not right now. My wife's been trying to convince me that we need one for (laughs) quite a while. Um, I did not grow up a dog. I grew up as the kind of, the kind of kid that got like, had like traumatic experiences with dogs. So I've been warming up to it, but my wife's family is their, their big dog family. So it's, it's inevitable, especially because just last week, our fence got finished at our yard. And so we've kind of been waiting until we get into our own house and have our own fence and our own yard and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, you'll get to pick the breed and you'll pick something that's super fun outside, just like, you know, golden retrievers or 
or you know labradors they're great family dogs so yeah yeah it, 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 I mean, it'll be fun when it happens yeah it will be all right so the next part of what we do is just making sure that our guests know more about you i mean those are the fun icebreaker questions but normally it's like, where'd you go to school and how'd you get to where you are? I mm-hmm. know I read a little bit about your bio of when you first started your first you know, job. Um, you were an entrepreneur, even at a very young age. So go ahead and tell us. But I love the fact that you went to Oral Roberts. I went to a Christian college also, but Oral Roberts, I think that's like a really, really good school. It isn't, it, it's a, it depends on who you ask. I, I agree. It's a really good school. Um, it's had an interesting history. And so you'll run into some people that know of Oral Roberts just from the NCAA tournament. You'll run into some people that think that Oral Roberts is a school full of a bunch of crazy Christians who hate the world. And uh, the reality is I, I loved it. There were things that, you know, it wasn't a perfect school, but I was really grateful for my time there. So mm-hmm. like I said, I grew up in Colorado. Um, have lived here all my life other than when I moved to Oklahoma um, to go to school at Oral Roberts in Tulsa. And from a young age, I always, I always liked building things, whether it was Legos or whatnot. And then, you know, I remember I, our first business first, now that I look back and see like, oh, there's these business things, you know, always loved doing like lemonade stands. Then we saved up money and bought a snow cone stand. And so we could do something that we could charge more than a dollar for. But I remember the first thing we did, me and my friends was we would start, we'd go to the dollar store, we'd get pink puka shell necklaces, <laughs> and then we'd wear them to, you know, market them. And then at school, we'd sell them for seven bucks. So we were like, sweet, we can make six bucks per, per necklace. That's a great margin, right? It was a great margin. So that was how we raised money for, um, made some money so we could build our tree house. So we took like 50 or 60 bucks to the lumber store. We thought we'd be able to buy a ton of wood and realize we could buy like one piece of wood. Yeah. So, um, not that I encourage this, but we did buy some wood and then we went and found more wood in dumpsters at construction sites. And that was how we built our treehouse. Oh, I don't think that, uh, I think that a lot of people do that. That's called repurposing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> repurposing. So anyway, that was, that was one of the first things I did. And I just remember throughout like middle school and high school, just always kind of thinking of different things. You know, I got into Frisbee golf. And so there was a pond at the Frisbee golf course and I, you know, realized, oh, a lot of people throw it into the water. So I would go in and get all the Frisbees on the weekends and then sell them. And I just enjoyed, I enjoyed that, that aspect of things. And then, um, when I was in high school, me and my friends, we started a nonprofit ministry where we were actually focused on bringing, we, we realized there were so many different young people that we're all of the same faith as us. They were all Christians, but they all were in these different denominations and different churches. And so we were kind of asking the question, what would it look like to bring all the youth groups and all the young people together Mm -hmm. um, once every two or three months? And so we did that and ended up being wildly successful. And every eight to 10 weeks, we'd have, you know, anywhere from, you know, 250 to 500 young people that would come together at these events. And we raised money for charities and um, did all this amazing stuff. And that was really when I realized like the impact side of things, getting involved in the community, bringing people together around a story, um, and then really taking that unity and capitalizing on that so that we could like make an impact in the community. And that was really significant for me. So then I went to college at Or Roberts, like you mentioned, I went in thinking that I was going to come out doing ministry or doing nonprofit work. And it was actually in college that I really realized my skill set was a lot more geared geared towards business. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was when I 
began to realize and had some mentors in my life that helped me to see that uh, business could be just as much, um, if not more at times of a tool for impact. Mm-hmm. And that uh, going in, I kind of thought that you either choose to like make money and fund the impact or you choose to make an impact and then you don't make any money. Mm-hmm. And so college was really where that line was like disintegrated for me, the line between like making an impact and making money and realizing, oh, we should be, we should be trying to do, we should be trying to build businesses. We should be trying to be as successful as possible so that we can make an impact, especially if we're born into a situation where we have privilege, we have opportunity, we need to take advantage of that so that we can make more of an impact. Mm. I, you know, one of the things that you're sharing, it, it's so significant the nonprofit industry as a whole has um, really understood that part of how they can get donations and get people to give to them is by telling stories. It's taken so long for the business world to figure that out. And now right. it's like, oh, storytelling, <laughs> like it's something yeah. new, right? Yeah, it has. And I, so I was the marketing director for a nonprofit for a couple of years after college and was just frustrated with what I saw in marketing. And I I remember that the first like idea for my current business was actually, it came to me when I was in college and I was watching the Super Bowl, and I was just like, this is seriously like, this is the best of the best. Like we're bringing the best brands and the best, best like storytellers together. And they're spending three and a half million dollars. And like, this is what we get. And I remember thinking like, why aren't they talking about the impact they're making? Like, why aren't they sharing more stories that are actually relevant? Like not just a story of a puppy. And then you put a can of beer at the end but actual like relevant stories to the impact they're making in communities. And so that asking that question, it kind of just stayed in the back of my mind for a couple of years. And so as I was marketing director for a nonprofit, I was kind of paying attention and learning all that I could about, you know, marketing and content marketing and storytelling and really trying to figure out like, why are more businesses not telling stories when I feel like people are buying based off of the stories, like we're buying whether based off of whether or not a brand is making an impact, but brands haven't caught on as much back then as now. This was seven years ago. Like brands still hadn't really caught on to realizing like, oh, people want to know the impact we're making. Um, What I was wanting to share with you is I noticed that you are a fan of HubSpot that you also, I don't know, I drank their Kool-Aid. I love the fact that part of how they get people to engage is through some of it is storytelling. And when they put content out there, they really want us as businesses to think about, well, what is it that you're putting out there? And is it appealing to your prospects? And they want you to be able to attract, engage, and delight. Those are their key words. Those are really impact words. Yeah. And I've, um, I think HubSpot has done a really good job of kind of really taking the idea, yes, these ideas behind content marketing and inbound marketing and really popularizing them, giving them language so that people could kind of understand this more attraction-based marketing. Um, You know, Seth Godin, uh, one of his first books that uh, was amazing. I mean, I think he wrote it in 1998. So like the internet's barely even a thing. And he wrote this book called Permission Marketing. And it's all based off of, are you asking permission? You know, you should offer value and then ask for permission to market. And then the relationship's going to be a lot better when somebody gives you permission as opposed to interruption marketing, which is kind of what, you know, that's what a lot of spam is. That's honestly what Facebook ads are. 
Um, even though they're great, that's what a lot of, you know, television ads, most ads that we see, they're trying to interrupt what we're doing. And then hopefully, uh, you know, one out of a thousand people that you interrupt will actually happen to be struggling with the problem that you solve. And so then they'll come over, but it's still not a good start to a relationship. Like interrupting is not a good way to start something. And so I think HubSpot's been great because a lot of the content that they focused on have really, has, it's really been based in we as businesses, our marketing should be about value. And I think that's really, really important. And when we give value, I think we'll get it in return. And that's just kind of the law of reciprocity. And that's just how really the world works is when, when you give, you're going to receive. Um, and it's usually not in the same way that you give, but just knowing that if us as businesses, if we can be focused on giving value through our marketing, then, um, that that's going to go a long way with our audiences. Or even giving value and not just marketing, but in your services, right? Absolutely. Because that's what nonprofits do. They, they provide, usually it's services, but it could be products. So if you go to a science center or a museum, you can buy some really great fun toys to play with or, you know, beautiful art, whatever. But it's also about being able to provide a way for other people to enjoy art that maybe hadn't through summer camps. There's so many ways. Yeah. I, I really love that. Yeah. And I think another good thing that they've done and kind of ideology that's become more popular is this idea of like, of nurturing mm -hmm. and recognizing that you're, everybody's not ready to buy yet. Most marketing is kind of only focused on selling. And so realizing, okay, we need to, you know, if A to Z is the place is kind of the journey people are going on the buyer's journey and Z is the purchase, you know, what about how do you get people from A to B and B to C? And that's why we've, that's why over the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed getting more into podcasting and why our company has kind of shifted towards that has been because it's been, it's a way to nurture your audience. It's a way for that audience that knows who you are, but they're not ready to buy right now for it to be okay. And for you to still be able to give value to them over time and say, Hey, that's okay. Hang out in our community for the next year. You're still going to get a ton of value totally for free from our podcast. And when you're ready, let us know. And I think that that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you have a number of podcasts, but wait, I have one more other thing. So what your major at Oral Roberts was communication. Well, that's fitting for anybody that's in podcasting, right? Yeah. I tell people that when I went to college, I studied, uh, I studied, I knew I wanted to study communications, business, and theology. And I did not really care what piece of paper they gave me at the end of it. So it ended up being an organizational and interpersonal communications degree. Um, and then I also had a minor in ministry and leadership. And so that was what it ended up being on paper, but really I spent my time there learning about business and communications and also studying theology. Cause it was fun and interesting to me. Mm, that's good. So you have a number of podcasts and well, I don't know what your journey was between after graduation to now, but you and a couple of others I know are, I would call addicted to podcasting because you have so many cool shows that you guys are doing, not addicted in a bad way, but in a positive way to be clear, because there's a lot of information to put out there and share with people. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah. We, uh, when I, when I graduated college, I was marketing director for a nonprofit for about two years. And then that was when I transitioned to realizing, you know, I know I want to start this company helping small businesses market with stories, but I don't, 
I don't know what I don't know. And so for me, it was just like, I might as well start learning as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So that was when I made that jump, um, made that, you know, started the business that was in 2015. So it's been about seven years now. And we kind of went through a bunch of different iterations in the marketing and storytelling space. And then in the last two years, really just decided to help just to focus on podcasting. i had had my podcast for about a year. It was starting to get some attention, not, not really nationally, but in the, with the right people. Um, people really enjoyed it. People thought it was well done. And so people, you know, that were also in podcasting that knew me, they would call me and ask me questions and different things. And then it was like, okay, well, I can help you with some of those problems and some of those things. And I can help you save time. And they're like, okay, we'll pay you money for this. And then that turned into a couple more. And so that was really when it was like, okay, this is really interesting. I didn't imagine that we would start doing podcasting, but then about two years ago made the decision of, okay, this is going to be this is going to be our focus. This is going to be where, uh, this is the, the slice of the storytelling pie that we are going to carve out and that we want to be known for and get better and better at and realize there's so many people that can do so many different types of storytelling. Um, and we want to focus on podcasting so that we can become really good at that rather than just kind of being mediocre at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. So what, you know, when you decided to launch the first podcast, what was it? So it was the small business storytellers, which is still my weekly podcast that I do. Um, and yeah, that, that was, that was the first one started it with my friend, Kurt, who we actually just had lunch today. Um, I wanted to start about a year earlier, uh, but I just ran into all the fears that podcasters often run into and, you know, spent more money than I needed to on equipment and didn't really know how to use it. So recorded a bunch of episodes and then they, you know, had settings wrong. So those, the audio sucked and then I didn't want to use it. And then I used that as an excuse to just sit on it for a year. And then finally it was like, okay, let's, let's get this thing started. So it was a process to actually get to the place where I hit publish. Oh, wow. That is, that is really unique. And you know what, that's going to be encouraging to a lot of people because they'll, they'll go, I don't know how to get started. And what I tell everybody is you got to come to PodFest because you will learn how to do, whether it's video or whatever you don't know, you're going to learn so much that week that we have together and you're a speaker at PodFest. So what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, this will be my first time attending and speaking, actually. So I'll be talking about how podcasters can use NFTs to engage their audience. And we'll kind of be laying out um, kind of the roadmap of like what what we think is going to be happening in the next couple of years and what we're seeing happen right now as far as how podcasters can start using NFTs with their podcasts. Oh, I'm going to be definitely sitting in on yours. I've talked with my video and game production team, more with the game people, and they've <clears throat> said, we don't want to do any NFTs on the game. We'll, we'll, we would rather make NFTs for other people, but we don't want to have NFTs um, where we're selling our art from the game. And I went, okay, well, I can respect that, you know. So, you know, I want to learn how I can truly benefit from bringing that in here. So you open the door, what are NFTs? What do you know? And I know that there's so much to learn. So it's okay to say, this is what you know so far, because <laughs> it's going to change tomorrow morning. Yeah, there's, um, so there, there's so much, there's so many different directions we could go with that. Um, and I think one of the hardest things right now about NFTs in the cryptocurrency space is 
um, education. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people that are like really deep into the crypto world and they can't, they can't dumb it down. And I don't mean dumb it down as in talk to dumb people. I mean, like they can't, they know so much and they can't know, they don't often know what we need to turn off in order to be able to explain something simply. And I think that's why a lot, why it's, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of people are getting adopted into cryptocurrency and NFTs right now, but it's just challenging. So I say that, say, this is a very complicated world. Um, I've been really like head over heels in just to learning all of this for honestly the last about nine months to a year of trying to figure out what's the best way for podcasters to do this. That doesn't mean we have the answers. It just means we know what we're going to try. Um, and we've, we, you know, we've gone down a bunch of different paths that we've realized that's not going to work for us. So, so NFTs for listeners means non-fungible tokens. We'll start. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, NFTs are non-fungible tokens. Um, another phrase that I like to use is called an access card. Hmm. And so if we think about an access card or you have a card, like maybe it's a card in your wallet um, and you go to a party and you need to show them that you own a card to get in. So, okay, that's great. You own this card. We all know what happens with fake IDs. Like people can fake those cards and, you know, they can fake their IDs and different things. So um, that's one problem with like physical access cards. So the whole value of cryptocurrency and of the technology behind NFTs is it's a public ledger. Everything's created on a public ledger that every time there's a transaction, every time something is verified, it initially shows, okay, you know, I owned this card. I own this card now, but I bought that from Isabella and Isabella created the card. Mm -hmm. And so there's that path that can be authenticated and verified so that that system that's verifying it knows I actually own this card. So really what I look at an NFT is it's a digital access card. Mm -hmm. um, you're gaining access to something. Maybe it's the rights to a painting um, or a digital work of art. In our case, which we'll get more into this, it's different community perks and different um, rights as part of our community and even different episodes um, that people will get access to by owning this digital card in your digital wallet. So at the high level, an NFT is a, uh, I know there's been so many wild things that have gone on in the NFT space, but at a, at a really high level, it's an access card. It's a way of you owning something digitally and it can be verified that you own that and by verifying that, that means that it can't be pirated. It can't be knocked off um, because if it is knocked off, then at the end of the day, somebody can, you know, when there's the point when you have to prove that you own that access card, the verification system is going to show who truly owns that. Um, and then that's going to give you access to a variety of things, which is one of the ways that we're going to be using it as I, a podcast. I really like how you're breaking this down. I think that's simplistic and that's really helpful for our listeners is um, I used to work for attorneys. And one of the things I learned is that's called a chain of custody. And so it's actually, and even in project management and saying the name, the date, the time, the transaction all happens. So it keeps it as a, like you said, digital record of it, right. but that's how you can actually prove that something belongs to you or it was stolen or whatever. Um, there's money in this thing. And there's also things that people need to be aware of, like, you know, what, what is the cost for this? So you have to mint those NFTs and there could be a cost for that. 
You also need to be able to store them, like you said, in a wallet. And I think that there's some hmm, some terminology that people are trying to wrap their head around. So we should probably take them back to before there was money, people traded pigs and goats and, and mm. chickens, right? Because there wasn't money. They created money and said, here, this is like in place of pigs and chickens and goats, right? So now, because they could always touch those things, they aren't as comfortable with things that they go, but I can't touch it. How mm. do I... You know, it's like in the cloud, so I can't touch it. Right. So I think that's got to be how we um, talk about these things. Um, and because we're both people of faith, we'll take it even a step further. You can't see God, but yet you do see God all around you. Mm. So it's the same with potentially NFTs. Yeah, it's it's just an exchange of value. And that's what mm -hmm. people don't, I, I think we often forget to think about that with money. There's no inherent value in a hundred dollar bill like the hundred dollar the paper itself is not valuable like even though it's illegal you could burn that hundred dollar bill and nothing would really happen but it's got um, a stamp on it it's got a serial number just like yeah nfts right right yes it does and, and that gets kind of into the like fungible versus non-fungible side of things so like you know the, the only reason a hundred dollar bill has value is because we've assigned value to it. Mm -hmm. And so really, I think currency is just an exchange of value. And so in this digital world with NFTs and cryptocurrency and stuff, you're initially exchanging what's been agreed upon as valuable to you, which is a hundred us dollars in your bank account. You might be exchanging that for an NFT and then you get what you hopefully think is a hundred dollars or more of value. And then maybe in the future, you can actually change that again and exchange that. And so, you know, you mentioned, yes, there's a serial number, but there's not a difference between, there's not a difference in value between $100, between a single $100 bill and another $100 bill. If we had a thousand hundred dollar bills in front of you, you could take any of them mm -hmm. and any of them would buy you the exact same thing. So that means those things are fungible. They're replaceable. The value goes the same across all of them. Yep. Where the non-fungible side comes in is where there's potentially different value assigned to like different serial numbers. And so for simple sake, let's say there was a hundred NFTs minted or created for our brand. And maybe we chose that we're going to assign unique value to the first one and that we're going to sell all those hundred at the same time. And they're going to be randomly assigned to the hundred people that buy it at first, but whoever gets serial number, number one, that one's actually more valuable. And maybe my favorite number is 23. And so then maybe serial number 23. Um, and so that's where you can start to, that's a very simplistic, you know, explanation of it, but that's where we can start to assign unique value to different items to where they're, it's not fungible. And so in a lot of NFT communities, you actually see if you have a lower serial number, um, initially, if you have an earlier version, earlier edition, it's actually more valuable than some of the later editions. And so there, there's your serial number and what number of NFT you have actually makes a lot of sense. And it, um, it really matters. Mm. So how much does it cost to get started if I wanted to do that in your research? What have you seen? 
Yeah, that is a great question. And there's a lot of different directions that people can go. Um, we, as a, a, like our company at Story On, we're really wanting to help over the next year model how podcasters can integrate NFTs. And so um, if you go and do this on your own, then you know, you're probably going to be hiring a designer and then you might be hiring a developer to write the smart contract because it's all complicated and there's development and coding behind it. And then you might be having to actually pay gas fees, which I'm not even going to get into because that's a whole nother thing um, yeah, into like minting them on Ethereum and different things like that. Um, so there's some cryptocurrencies that they're pretty expensive to like m to create a product on. Um, and the kind of overview, even though I said I won't explain gas fees, but the overview is initially when when you go to a platform like OpenSea or like Ethereum to create an NFT, somebody else's computer is doing the work of verifying and creating that and putting that onto the blockchain. And so you initially have to pay for that computer time to create that. And that's what the gas fees are. Um, and there's only a certain amount of, there's only a certain number of transactions that can be happening at a certain time. And so when there's, you know, 10,000, I don't know the numbers, but when there's 10,000 transaction requests at the same time, and there might only be time for a hundred of those, then the gas fees are going to go up really, really high because, and they're going to prioritize who can pay the high gas fees. So there's other cryptocurrencies and other ways to do it on platforms like Polygon or a bunch of different ones where um, they have a lot higher transaction volume, like transaction ability. And so the gas fees are virtually nothing. So one of the partners we're working with um, is a company called Uncut FM. They're based out of San Francisco. Um, I've gotten to know their founder really well, and we're working directly with their team on the NFT project we're launching. They're creating a platform for podcasters to be able to launch NFTs. So you'll be able to go, you'll be able to decide, hey, what perks or what content or what value do I want to, do I want accessible to the NFT owners? You'll upload your graphics or, you know, whatever design you want your NFT to be. And then you'll connect that to a podcast episode. And then on their platform, people can log in, they can buy it with a debit card or a credit card. So they don't need a, you don't have to get in all this complicated wallet situation of, you know, getting us dollars into ethereum or bitcoin and then transferring that to another cryptocurrency you can just people can put in their name email address credit card and they can buy your nft and they can get access to it and on the back end what uncut is doing is they're creating a digital wallet for you they're creating a wallet they're transferring that money over to cryptocurrency um and you're not having to pay gas fees so there are absolutely free ways free or very very cheap ways for people to start creating nfts my encouragement is not that that means that you go and just create a bunch of random NFTs um, just because you think that the art is cool, but that as podcasters and as businesses, we're really thinking about what value is there behind it. Because um, I think there really has to be utility and value. An access card isn't very cool. And uh, you know, an ID isn't very cool if the ID doesn't get you anything. But with my ID, I can drive, which is cool. And I can buy alcohol which I also think is cool. And so there's different things that that access card gives us access to. Um, but if you don't put anything value on the back end, then your project isn't going to be very successful. Mm. That's a lot to consider when you're talking about that. And when you were saying that they would be able to, to help um, distribute my NFTs um, and then the minting of them, I mean, do they take care of 
just like in podcasting, right? I can, I use Podbean and Podbean helps me distribute my shows. I don't mm -hmm. have to do a lot. It's all part of my, my services, the plan that I'm on. And then they also help, um, you know, they give me educational courses. They, mm -hmm. they do a lot to help me be successful. So right. I'm going to guess it's going to be something similar to that, right? Yeah. So it is similar. And that's something that our companies also like, we're going to start, you know, wanting to help people with understanding this and working with podcasters. And so that's something where if, if you have questions about this, like, you know, anybody, please reach out to us. If you're any kind of content creator, that's wanting to get into the NFT space. Um, but yeah, uncut, like they're, they're an example of one platform. I'm sure many will pop up, but they they'll do the minting of it. Your NFT will be available on major NFT platforms like OpenSea, which is kind of the like Amazon for NFTs. Um, use as far distribution is a funny word because you're still going to be responsible for promoting it. Like you still, and that's, I've seen a lot of podcasters that they're like, well, we put our podcast out there and it's like, you still are going to be responsible for the success of your, of your NFT um, and of your project and of marketing it. But as far as getting it onto the platforms where it needs to be handling the minting, um, handling the access, the payment, the wallets, all of that, that's going to become easier and easier. And right now uncut, they're still in closed beta. We're working with them on one of their first projects, but um, that's a great example of a platform that they're going to kind of be able to make that process really easy for content creators. Mm -hmm. So it's similar to, to a bank. I had a guest uh, before your show um, that's talking about um, decentralized banking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was very, it's cash, K-A-S-H dot I-O. Don't know if you know him, but you know, he knows quite a bit also about, you know, Bitcoins and cryptocurrency and all of that. And taking, when we were talking about decentralizing uh, banking, I said, well, you know, that's what Capital One does right now. They've been decentralized because there's like no physical, you know, bank locations to go into for Capital One. And so did USAA. And I said, so people were doing it before they knew it was like, cool. Um, and now it's becoming something that, oh, let's, let's do this and make right. things simpler. Take away the banking. Yeah. System. But the difference is somebody at Capital One still has to give approval for you to yeah. send money to somebody else. And that's the, that's the big difference of things is with cryptocurrency, you can send it initially automatically and that, and that makes it really great. And so and another platform that I'll mention that we've worked with a lot over the last year is Fireside Chat. Um, that's a platform yeah, that's that co-founded. So I definitely yeah, want to know more. Yeah. So that's a platform that um, is co-founded by Mark Cuban and Fallon Fatimi. Um, they've recently, well, a couple of years ago, they exited uh, a company, sold um, an AI company to, I think, Sugar CRM. So they were ex very experienced and had worked together. And so their vision behind Fireside is that they would really be this platform would kind of be for the future of content creation. And so they're doing an amazing job. Um, I've been one of their creators from day one um, and have loved getting to, to see how their platforms develop, but they're also working on NFT technology to where um, I would be able to sell an NFT to my audience. And if I was doing an interview with Mark Cuban, then your ticket to that event and your opportunity to get to, you know, ask Mark Cuban a question would be on whether you have that NFT. And I've heard many people say anytime, anytime you wear a badge or a wristband to get into anywhere, mm -hmm. that's going to be an NFT in a couple of years. 
Mm. And I, t- I, I think so. I think movie tickets, I think sports tickets, I think all of these things, um, it's going to be easier to authenticate. There's going to be less piracy. Um, and people are going to be able to have like a collector's record of like, here's the things, you know, there's a reason that I, for some reason, keep like badges of conferences that I've gone to because it's memorabilia. And so that's going to, that's going to be a lot easier with NFTs. And so Fireside's doing some really cool work to where as you're doing live streaming and doing live conversations and live podcasting, you could incorporate NFTs into that as well to potentially give exclusive access to some of your, some of your audience to some of the content you're creating. Mm-hmm. Wow. You've really given us a lot to think about. We're going to take a short break to acknowledge our sponsor. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. And we're back to the show. We've been having such a great conversation. We missed that halfway mark. So we went into three quarters of the show, just so you know. And I'm going, this is really, really good stuff that you're you're sharing. So we, in the second half of the show, we just continue the conversation and what would it look like going into 2030? And when you were talking about how people will have everything in a wallet, personally, I think everything's going to be in the phone. Everything everything. And that's our identity and everything that we're doing. Um, it's, it's just something that, yeah. So it's communication. It sends us information, right? It's not just Mm -hmm. a phone. Um, that's going to be where all of our, we do our banking, our church, whatever it is, we can do everything through this phone. So what do you think going into 2030, which is not that far away, and you kind of have an insider futuristic view as to what could be. Um, I think Mark Cuban is pretty, pretty advanced also. You know, mm-hmm. he sees a lot of things that come to market and, you know, he's, he's out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really fun to think about. Um, I, I think podcasting is still going to be a really significant thing. So I, I always say like, I'm biased. I don't think that it's possible to be non-biased. Um, I'm biased towards the experiences I've had, but when I look at the experience, the things I'm involved in now, I do think they'll last, but I think they'll also change. And so I think, you know, podcasting and us consuming long form content and us educate like self-education, um, on our time is going to still be hugely important. I also think NFTs are going to be really, really important. And I think that this, this kind of gets into like the project that we're working on, which, um, because I think, I think right now there's a lot of access that's used for creators and for businesses where initially we pay, we pay something and then we get something like that. That's a normal thing. And so I think that some of this technology with NFTs is really going to pave the way to make that more authenticated, to make that more commonplace, more normal. So I, I think going into 2030, I'm not sure if we'll call them NFTs, probably not. Um, but I think that the technology that we're seeing emerge right now, as far as digitally being able to authenticate um, ownership of things and that you have access to things, I think that's going to be really, really popular. Um, the first season of our show, of our new uh, one of our new podcasts that we're launching, the first season is actually only going to be accessible to people who own one of our free, one of our NFTs that we're actually going to mint for free. Is this going to um, be video or audio? It's going to be an audio podcast. Okay. Um, 
And yeah, so I think Fireside like, one you mentioned. It's not going to be on Fireside. No, um, down the road we will have we will have additional NFTs that we give or sell to our community that then they can, you know, Hey, we're doing this interview with Mark Cuban, for example. And, uh, if you want in, then here's, you know, get this NFT and then you'll be in. Um, or we could go to our existing community where let's say for the next couple of years, we do several successful NFT releases, which we have the whole, we have the roadmap for the next two years of NFT releases in our podcast actually already created. Um, and so we might say, Hey, everybody that's bought an NFT from us in the last two years, we're doing this special conference. Um, and great. Your NFT counts as a ticket. You guys get in. Um, but I so don't see how you could plan that out in two years when it's so volatile still. Yeah, it is really volatile. Um, one thing that's really important in the NFT space is called your roadmap. Mm -hmm. And so looking at like, what's People want to see that you have a vision for the next 12 to 18 to 24 months. Obviously, as you get further away, um, things, there's a little bit less clarity. So for us, like we have to the day, what we're going to be doing for the next three months, like May 17th, we are officially announcing and releasing our 10,000 free NFT, our first NFT, which there'll be 10,000 of them. They'll be free. All you have to do is give your name and your email address and you will get that NFT. And those NFT holders will get early access to all of our future NFT releases, and they will get exclusive access to season one of the podcast. Then a month later, we're going to release what's called our gold card, and that's going to be our gold access card. And those, there will be a thousand of those. And those thousand NFT holders are actually going to get to help mold and help decide where this franchise of podcasts goes. Because we're launching, the podcast we're launching is called The Business. Every season of the business will focus on a different industry in business. And so there'll be six episode seasons. One might focus on the business of podcasting. One might focus on the business of, you know, launching a coaching company. One might focus on the business of uh, manufacturing or something. So we'll go deep into these industries, but our community that has these gold cards, which those will not be free. Those will be paid. They'll get to vote on who do we interview on those seasons on what guests or what seasons are coming up next. And then after the first year, so this time next year, we'll be launching our second and our third podcast under this franchise. And that'll fully be dependent on our community that says, Hey, we've loved the last year of the podcast out of the 10 the 10 mini seasons that we did. Uh, hey, what do you guys think? Which ones should we branch out and create our own like create a new show of, and those NFT owners will actually have part ownership over those shows. And so there's, you know, there's financial, uh, there, there's like, there's not royalty shares because these aren't securities. These aren't like shares in the show, but half of the royalties of these shows are going into a treasury that these card holders, these NFT holders actually get to determine what happens with that money. So what happens with the profits of these, of these shows? Are we going to give it to nonprofits as grants? Are we going to grant it to small businesses who are doing innovative work? And so we're really using the NFTs to build a community around the show and saying, hey, we're launching the business, which is a podcast franchise, but where the business goes over the next 10 years, that's up to you. Um, you know, we'll handle the production of it, but as far as what your favorite episodes are, what seasons we launch, um, maybe somebody comes to us and says, 
you know, maybe some production company comes and says, Hey, we want to take an episode of the business or a season of the business and turn it into a TV show. Our community gets to vote on that. Um, and so that's so where it gets kind really of like you're voting, um, who's staying on the Island or not a little, a little bit, it's a little, um, you know, more collaborative than, than that. But then the interesting thing is, um, people are going to sell these, these NFTs too. It's not just that you buy it and you have it for life. Um, if this podcast franchise is successful over the next three years, um, these NFTs are going to be really valuable. Um, that's something where you think of your favorite podcast, whether it's Joe Rogan or Jordan, Jordan Harbinger or call me daddy or whoever it might be. And you think about if they had a, initially a community of a thousand members that were, you know, able to actually be involved. They got special access to the guests. They got special access to the hosts. They got to, you know, help pick the episode graphics. They got to help pick what topics were talked about on the podcast. That would be really, really, that'd be, that'd be fun to be a part of your favorite podcast in that way. And so that's where, again, as an access token over the next 18 months, we want to show podcasters and content creators, Hey, it's possible to incorporate NFTs for a low cost on your end, um, with your audience. And then, you know, these are a really great tool to be able to engage your audience with so that you actually have a community behind your show, as opposed to just talking to a microphone and hoping people hear it. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is really, really good stuff. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to coming to it. How long is your, um, talk at PodFest? Do you know? I don't know. I'm guessing I, like 30, I'm guessing 30 like 30 minutes. minutes. I haven't even looked. Yeah. I'm guessing probably 30 minutes. Um, That's what we've always had before in the past. So I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You've but we're going to be, edu- you know, we're going to be putting a lot of content out over the next couple months um, because this is a complicated issue. Like it's a complicated thing. And so we're going to be working really hard over the next couple months to be putting educational content out there to help people understand what does this space look like? What is the technology? What is an NFT and why, why does it matter? And why can it be valuable to your business or your podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much that's going on in that space. Okay. Well, going back over here to uh, show notes that we really ran out of our time now. So best mentoring advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners. Yeah, that's great. I think in context of some of the things we've talked about, I would really encourage people to Um, be willing to do ideas and do things that scare you a little bit and that you maybe feel like you don't have the answers to. Mm -hmm. For me, this NFT project is, is that, um, over the last two years, we've launched over 25 shows, um, and podcasts, and that's been great, but this idea is scary. And that's actually what kind of stopped me and got me to go a little bit deeper into this was like, okay, this is where I've seen, there's been times in my life where I've done ideas that I've had and that I feel like I've been given that have been a little bit scary. And there's always been something amazing on the other end, whether the idea works or whether it's just amazing lessons that are learned, there's always something good on the other end. And so I would encourage people, if there's things that you're wanting to try for your business or for the work that you're doing, um, but you're just a little bit, you're scared. You don't know exactly how to do everything or what's going to be on the other side. I'd encourage you to actually go towards that fear. I'd encourage you to go, go towards that discomfort because um, again, we're people of faith. I think there's a very real entity and presence that wants to keep you from being all you are created to be. And so 
when there's moments where there's, it seems like we're like afraid and there's all this stuff and we don't have all the answers. It's like, what's on the other side of that? So that doesn't mean we should be irresponsible, but be willing to move towards something, even if you're a little bit scared. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Fear is paralyzing and it keeps you from growing and doing what we're meant to be. Um, and people, I think, underestimate their potential with what they can achieve. They, they limit themselves. So I love that, that you shared that. All right. So how can people find you? I've got your LinkedIn profile. That's going to go on our closed card. And we usually Great. share that. But is there something else that you would like me to add on our close card about you and how people can find you, which of your many websites or your podcasts that you would like us to give shout outs to? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you can find me pretty much anywhere on social media by just searching Seth Silvers. Um, luckily, there's not very many of me. Um, and oh, then you are our, all over, you are very good at marketing and communications four pages down. It's nothing but Seth Silvers. There we go. Um, and then website wise, our main website is success with stories. And I encourage you if you are interested at all in our upcoming NFT project, by the time this comes out, we will be in the middle of it. Um, so we will have released some of it. We'll be in the middle. And so I encourage you, um, go to success with stories dot com. Um, and that's where we'll have more information. Um, and yeah, I'd be happy to get in touch with any of you and talk more about any of this. Okay. That sounds great. Well, Seth, I want to tell you, thank you so much. You've been a great guest. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and just learning from you. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun at PodFest. Looking forward to it. I was about to sneeze. <laughs> okay. Thank you.